Recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada. A Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Hello, Restoring Darkness listeners. I want to give you a little bit of a heads up that this show, we had a little bit of internet connectivity problems, but the producer listened to the show. I caught a little bit of it. And we feel like it's still worth putting out, even though it is a bit choppy at times. So I'm just giving you a warning that there's times in this podcast where it cuts out. But this content was good enough that we just thought, geez, we have to release this, this podcast with Bastion. So enjoy. Welcome back, darkness lovers. That's right. Here on Restoring Darkness, we have Bastion Goa. He's got a tough German last name, so he can pronounce it for you himself in a second. I tried my best. Uh, of German origins with a rural upbringing, um, former project manager, self-taught woodworker and handyman, spiritual explorer, student of the diamond approach, ambassador for regenerative, regenerative agriculture, circadian rhythms, natural light, and a reconnection with nature. His website is circadian.life, so check it out. But for right now, we're going to talk to him on the Restoring Darkness podcast. How are you, Bastian? I'm very well, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at your um, your profile here, and I want you to describe to me what you think our relationship with light and darkness is and how it's become perverted or transformed in the modern age. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, it's a good question. I haven't, haven't really thought about it that much, in that way. I think we completely... Um, we had a we had a good relationship with light and dark, <clears throat> obviously till the invention of the of the light bulb by Edison, and um, then that you know goes hand in hand with the industrial revolution and longer work hours and more productivity and all of that. Um, but I think it became really um, like what's the right word? Like we became really alienated, um, I guess, with mm. particular, not so much with the LEDs. The LEDs um, were obviously, uh, um, yeah, the, the a the, the lighting is cheaper, so people don't don't think so much uh, so much about anymore when they turn lights on and things like that. I remember when I was growing up, my stepdad was always kind of um, getting back on me, like when I turned the lights on, it's like, hey, that that costs energy, and you know, we want to save money and and things like that. And that kind of completely, I think, went out the window um, when the LEDs came on the scene and, and kind of took over. 
Um, so that was another barrier that kind of um, was kind of gone. And then I think with the with the rise of the mobile phones, particularly in the last kind of two decades, um, it just completely got um, perverted in a way where um, we have well, you know, midday conditions every every day you look on your screen, and just that that almost like an expectation that that it is very that we always need to have optimal lighting conditions, optimal lighting conditions for work that we want to see everything like precisely and clearly all the time. And if that's not the case, well, we flick on the switch. Mm. And I think the, the, um, there, there isn't even any awareness around it anymore. I noticed that in myself when I, when I started becoming aware of, of light and its impacts. Um, it was so automatic for me to switch on the light, uh, the light switch, like when it's mm. a bit you know, dark outside and a bit gray in the mornings. Um, it was just so automatic. I didn't, didn't consider it at all. Um, and yeah, so that's it's, I think it's just a, a lack of awareness and a lack of lack of attention, and now just people, um, in a way, expect it to be like the way they want it to, like any time of the day, and that's and they seem that to be as you know that's that's normal and expected, and that's that's fine, because we don't you know, I guess it's a big thing we don't think of light as a as anything else than related to vision and seeing. Hmm. That's that's the main thing. As long as I can see, that's fine, and that's all it does, and that's all it's there for, and everything else, people just don't have in their in their um, cognition or in their in their awareness at all. I think that it's a generational problem. You know, um, the 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 paradox of of darkness and its need and the need to be connected to it. It it's similar to another business I'm in, which is the hazardous waste business. And what's interesting about has what's interesting about hazardous waste, if you can shut off those alerts on your computer, um, just while we're talking here. But what's interesting about hazardous waste is that when you put it into a landfill, it might be decades or decades before it actually becomes a problem, right? And so what happens is um, humans generally overestimate the short term consequences or impacts or anything of something that that happened they look at a bright light wow that's fantastic and they completely underestimate the long-term impacts of things right so we dump this hazardous waste in this landfill hey, everything's okay right but then you know 35 years later it leaches into the water supply and groundwater moves very slowly and then eventually it starts to hit aqueducts that wildlife or or humans are drinking from and you have problems or situations like this all over Europe actually and um, because of the lack of space they have a lot of this problem and it's the same with light pollution in Europe because there's the it's such a small area there's very little room for darkness preservation in Europe right now with the advance of LEDs and that the light pollution the increase in outdoor light pollution and now indoor light pollution has happened at such an incremental rate that we don't even really look for it when we're assessing causes or correlations with disease or problems and things like that people don't think about it 
they do with bird migrations and turtles because it's so obvious and instantaneous that the light fixture is causing the turtle to go the wrong way instead of going to the ocean. It goes towards some LED light on the highway. You know, that's obvious to us as humans, but we lack this understanding of things that take a long time. And it's probably taken 75 years for us to get to this point. Slowly, incrementally, people see less and less and less of the stars and less exposure to darkness to the point now where the average American or the average European has probably never seen the Milky Way. Yeah. Yeah, it's shocking. I know. I know. And it's interesting, the the analogy you made with, uh, with the hazardous waste, um, there's another good analogy like in, in trading, particularly in, in crypto trading, because most everyone gets wrecked um, trading and because mm -hmm. they want the short-term gratification um, versus they, everyone would do much better if they would just hold and wait for the long term, five years, 10 years, and not go with the short market cycles and get wrecked while doing that. So it's just that something about that, and that's obviously part of our culture and our lifestyle that kind of, I want it now, I can't wait, I want the hit now, I just can't. That, that, and the same with health, right? So we don't think about, we don't want to do the things that, that are impactful and that actually make a change. Um, we want to, we want to, we want to do something that helps us now or that fixes us now that, that makes us feel good in the moment and everything else is kind of not really part of the, of the perspective. And that's just or, a mess. Or on, on top of that, we want we want to have someone to blame for our problems. We want it to be a medical problem. You know, we want, you know, we want liposuction or we want a, a stomach clamp to stop us from eating so much. We want some external thing to, to solve the problem instead of accept, accepting responsibility. And it's it's a major problem in all areas of our society. This this um, uh, pandemic of bad leadership, of, of the pandemic of blaming other people or finding a scapegoat or looking for someone to... to um, demonize and you know the dark sky movement spent a long time in the wilderness being angry at the lighting industry you know and I f and or getting you know getting frustrated and angry with lighting people and I find that incredibly um, backwards because they're the ones that can fix the problem actually and so I think we need to accept I think first of all you know why is um, darkness restoration and preservation outside of the environmental movement. You know, like Bastion, the average environmentalist does not think about darkness restoration or dark skies as an environmental issue. And they don't, and the, and our medical community doesn't think of it as a health issue. Why is this? It so obviously is. Yeah, well, the main thing is, as I said initially, people just see light or relate to light as, as an enabler for vision, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of bizarre, because if you just think about that, obviously you know the sun is the 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 energy source and the giver of life and the regulator of life on the planet. How can it just be for vision? That just is, I mean it's just so it's like what are you even talking about? Um, but yeah, it's just that that we are just so we live so disconnected. All people's lives are governed by an artificial environment and by an artificial schedule and that's what mm. they adhere to and because everyone else adheres to it and and, and plays by that it's actually really um confronting to step outside of that because you come up against it yeah so that's why i'm so i'm so passionate about circadian rhythms and and living in in sync 
with the light and dark cycles and eating at the right times and exercising at the right times and doing things that are species appropriate at the right times mm. so that our biology can be optimized and we, and we do well, we make better decisions and we have a better outlook and we think more holistically and all of that. Um, but that's, that's only possible if we, if we kind of get back to, uh, first of all, if we create an awareness around, if I don't, if I don't have a clue when the sun is rising, um, and when it's going down and I'm completely ignorant of that, well, my, my chances of, of making decisions that are, that are more aligned with, with, with my biology and with my, with my physiology, um, and then balancing the hormones that are all tied to that, it's, it's, almost, it's, it's almost like impossible because I can, I can only rely on the signals I get from my body if, I, if my body is in balance, if my body is already out of balance and, and disrupted. Um, then the signals I'm getting, they're off. So I can't really, you know, use the, that, that sense of our intuition and see what feels right. That works once, once we have um, gotten rid of some of the problems, hmm. found some balance. But if we're completely out of whack, um, we can't rely on the signals we're getting. And we also, our thinking is off. And yeah, this, uh, it's, and, but it's, it's really that sense of kind of simple example. Um, you know, eating, stopping eating, let's say at around three to four hours before bed. So sleep is better, that digestion can happen and we don't have any, any activity in our, in our, um, in our gut while we're sleeping, that air can happen, that the immune system activated, that the hormones can flow quickly. Um, all of that is difficult, makes probably people can relate to it, but the problem is, it goes against uh, um, the social the social stigma. People want to go out in the evening and have meals with their friends. Mm -hmm. Well, I do. I, I like to eat, I like to eat sometimes at night, but I, I I think that you know it's interesting that the way you're speaking about it. I, I recall um, a book by Desmond Morris called The Naked Ape, where he looked at human beings from a zoological perspective. And there's simple truths about humans. We're not a nocturnal species, okay? And, and, and people don't like to hear that kind of talk. They want to do whatever they want. But the fact is that humans are diurnal. They, they're awake during the day and they sleep at night. If somebody, if you look at uh, First Nations or whatever, indigenous communities around the world, they live in certain ways, all of them. And it, it's interesting. It's not they're, how similar they all live from Palpo New Guinea to Venezuela to... Uh, Paraguay, they all live in these same groups in the same way in monogamous relationships and they are asleep during the night. <laughs> like, and, uh, you know, and the fact that we deny this, uh, you know, these bold realities that of our species, if we speak of it from a zoological perspective, the human species is diurnal. And that means that if you're not sleeping at night, then you're going to be compromising your long-term health in some way. And that's proven in the statistics. They know that night, night workers and, and people that, are, that uh, stay up at night, they know that light trespass can cause problems with people sleeping and, and, and lead to health issues and so on. But we seem to be in denial that we are also of this world um, and that we are a species that has certain things that govern the way it should live and the way it shouldn't live. And I find it 
that the problems with that, this idea of accepting humans as a zoologic, like zoologically, is very, very difficult for people. They don't want to accept it. They think they want to do whatever they want. And, you know, for, we live in a free country. Well, uh, that's for debatable for different people, but people think we live in a free country and they can do whatever they want. But at the end of the day, there are consequences to this. There are consequences to having a phone in your face for eight hours a day and primarily at night, you know, watching videos and all that. Um, how come this message cannot resonate? It, I find that it just, you know, people hear it and then they go back to the way they live. Why is that? Is it not, are we not pointing out the pain enough? What do you think, Bastian? It's, it's again that, um, you know, do you make decisions based on what's good for you long term or do you want the short term gratification? Because the thing is, you know, people, people don't, these simple things I remember, like, I don't know how many years ago, I read a book on sleep. And basically the main message was um, just go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. When mm -hmm. I was going like, oh, that's... Yeah, but I can't do that or that's, you know, it's just, it's just too, it's just too simple. <laughs> it really works, but it's too inconvenient. It's too hmm. bloody inconvenient. People don't want to do the things that act because it, it requires change. It requires change on the lifestyle. It requires change on the behavior. And I need to stop doing some things that I, that I like to do. Or it's, I feel like it's really that simple because our, our ego doesn't, doesn't like change. And then we're also, the other big part is we're so full of, we're so arrogant as humans. We're so arrogant. We're so full of hubris. It's, it's kind of actually not funny anymore. Yeah, it, um, like, uh, and then, the, then, the, then we find reasons and rationale to justify the poor decisions we make. Like, I might, that's maybe a bit of a controversial topic, but um, you're probably aware of the, of the idea of kind of chronotypes and that, that people who have different kind of rhythms and the, light, the, the night owls and the early birds and, and some sleep doctors come even up with more classifications. Um, and then we justify staying up late because, oh, oh, I'm a night owl on this and that. But if you actually take people out of, out of their environment, particularly if you could even leave them where they remove the artificial light, all of that goes away. Right? And they did mm -hmm. research that they took took proclaimed night owls camping for a week without any devices and out without any artificial light. And of course, all of them went to bed earlier and earlier, like every day and, yes. and woke up earlier and earlier every day. It's like, yes, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like light, light, blue light is a stressor. What do you think is happening? If you, if you pump up your cortisol at, at night and you suppress your melatonin secretion, what do you think is going to happen? That's a great observation. Yeah. It's, That's I a mean, great it's, observation. These, yeah. it's, it's so things are so obvious, but we are so we're making excuses, and we're coming up with with even often medical kind of um, conditions or almost like almost like exemptions. Like, oh, I'm an adult. I don't need to. I don't. I'm fine with light at night. I'm not sleeping anyway. Right? Mm. It's just it's just all these things that that we kind of create when. Actually, if you look at a, from a species level, and if you if you would remove the the artificial um, light environment in this context, then these these things wouldn't happen, or at least not to to the extreme they are at the moment. Hmm, that's a it's an interesting perspective. Like that, the medical community and 
and you know, I, I sell light bulbs every day, so I'm going to preface that. So I'm going to speak about the medical community. But what it seems to me is that there's an, a, a continual increase in the amount of different types and uniquenesses of different kinds of disorders. You know that, um, you know that, uh, or cr- these chronotypes. You know, you brought up like, yeah, you know, I have the same observation. Never mind, even in 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 camping, but even we've had a we had a power outage recently for four days where I live. Okay, so there was a tornado landed in in Ontario and I live in a rural area. And so my power was off for four days. Okay, and um, everybody went to bed earlier. Everybody, there was no TV, there was no artificial electric light in the house. Everything was dark in the house and everyone, you know, 930, all my kids want to go to sleep right all of a sudden. And they woke up in the morning after the third day. They started getting up in the morning on their own. You're, it, it's, it's actually, it's an anecdotal example, but I, I totally believe the camping analysis. I don't buy this stuff that, you know, some people, um, you know, think. How do we, how, okay, so darkness is important for human health. You made the point, and I've had this point on the show before, where people say, you know, light, the sun gives us life. I don't think that's true 100% solely on its own. I think the sun and the moon together create light on earth, a life on earth. Okay. I think the moon has an essential role in sort of, you think about it, the moon pulls the Pacific ocean from one side of the earth to the other and then lets it go. And so there's like this mixing effect going on. And I think if people are looking for life on other planets, they should find them in the same distance from the earth or whatever, but it has a moon, uh, um, I think the moon is a fundamental aspect of of life on Earth, just my opinion. So I I think the darkness, the moon, and the mixing and all that, and these rhythms of the moon going around the Earth and changing it is fundamental to to how life started here. And I want to ask you, there's this barrier um, safety argument we have, Bastion, where, you know, people are, you know, convinced that more light equals more safety. Now... There's arguments on either side. There's groups of people who have proven that more light reduces crime. There are people that say that, that you know, that's not actually true. Um, what are your thoughts on the safety side of it from your spiritual circadian rhythm perspective? Are, you know, how do we overcome this idea that we have to light everything up like a prison yard? probably goes back to the thing of vision, right? You can, you can see more, but if, I mean, I have, in a way, I'm not sure I would like to see some statistic if that's actually true. If you light up, you know, your industrial area with, with bright floodlights everywhere, if that reduces crime or not, just do it, in, do it in one area of the city, have an industrial area lighted up for a few years and then have another one in, in darkness or, you know, with red light, whatever. For for uh, for a period of few years and do comparisons, and you can find out. But even even if there would be a significant kind of difference, it feels like the price we pay in order to have a bit more or less less crime or less theft or whatnot. I don't know. It just it just pales in comparison um, to to the impact on health and and yeah life on the planet. It's because it's that thing kind of what you alluded to with uh, the sun and the moon. It's kind of Everything needs to be in a rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So the day and the sun brings life and brings energy, and we use that energy. We are active, and then we need the opposite. And if and that's the same in health. It's basically health is a balance between damage and repair. Damage occurs all the time. Just breathing, eating, 
Yeah, oxidate, you know, uh, um, just when the mitochondria produce energy, there's there's inherent that 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 occurs that needs to be mopped up. So that's part of life. The damage happens all the time, but we need to also repair it. And so that same balance is is in everything, in breath, out breath, the tides, the ebb and the flow. So we need that 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 change, and it needs to be kind of in a similar kind of amplitude, if you wish. If that's not there, well, then again, it's unbalanced and we uh, a toxic condition, and it leads eventually to disease and and problems, and then also to more crime. If people are depressed and uh, whatnot, you know, you get also more crime. So it's like it feels it's it's hard. It's such a big question. It's hard to answer that. Um, but you know, for ex I can only give you what what I do at night. I when I when I'm out in the uh, and driving, which which rarely happens. But if it happens, I wear my, you know, I wear my blue blockers, and it actually took took a um, it took a little while to to get used to that at night because obviously it's it's less um, you see less and you see less of the blue light and the green light, um, but it's much more uh, actually for for me it's an interesting thing physiologically what happened I can't bear light at night anymore I can't bear bright artificial LEDs in my eyes because it feels like an assault. Mm. Literally feels like someone is poking me in the eye. Um, mm. So that's just what happens on a physiological level. And it's not just anecdotal for me. I heard that from so many people who, who change their lighting habits dramatically um, and their light hygiene. But yeah, so there's definitely that, that switch that happens. And if um, this I don't know how to yeah to go back to the crime thing. There's a there's a there's a there's an old book called A Day's Close, which which talks about um, darkness in in kind of historic times. And darkness was always um, a time for mystery, and and um, and also dreams, um, but also for for what they called evil, right? Because a lot of the the crimes actually happened at night. Mm -hmm. um, also due to people got out, they got they got drunk, or stumbled and got robbed, or you know, um, I think it's it's part of part and parcel that um, what what happens in the shadows, so to speak. But to use it as an excuse to um, to mess with all biology on the planet and and throw that off for the sake of having a bit more safety. Um, it's like similar to what happened with with the COVID stuff. You know, do we stop life? Uh, and do we stop interacting um, for the sake of safety, so-called safety? Safety is a um, word that has no meaning anymore. Safety just means, yeah. uh, has come to mean oppression of kind. Like it, it's come to mean coercion and, um, you know, yeah, say, there's a lot of words that have lost their meaning in the last couple of years. Um, safety being the, the number one. So many, so much nonsense is justified in the name of safety. Um, you know, in, in construction and all over the place, there's a, and you know, it's kind of lost its, its value as a word. You mentioned something called light hygiene. I've never heard that before. Yes. And I'm, I've done hundreds and hundreds of lighting podcasts. Tell me what you mean by oh. light hygiene. Well, basically, um, you know, circadian rhythms are, are mainly driven by light. The main, the main cue for circadian rhythms, which basically regulate all your physiological kind of um, 
activity. And, and people don't appreciate that because like there's a, supposedly there's 100,000 biochemical reactions per cell per second that need to be regulated. Um, and actually, just from a physical point of view, this cannot happen um, electrically because it's kind of, it's, it takes too long. Um, it cannot happen chemically, it would take even longer, take minutes rather than a second uh, for all these, um, for all these uh, reactions to happen. So the only thing that regulates these reactions light, or that the speed of light um, is entirely kind of possible. But going, so to the, to the light hygiene, um, the, the blue light in particular sets or resets the circadian rhythm and sets the time of day. So at sunrise, um, there's, there's minimal blue light, but it starts rising. There's lots of red and infrared light. And then after sunrise at some time, UV, UV light appears, first UVA and then a bit later UVB appears. Um, and that has other hormonal effects. Um, but so talking from a light hygiene, the problem is the sunlight has the full spectrum. It goes from UV to infrared. Um, and it's balanced. It's about 50% is always red and infrared. Tiny, tiny portion is UV, and then you have a slightly bigger portion of blue light, and then green, yellow, etc., etc. Um, and all these frequencies have actually, um, they kind of have different kind of bioactive kind of um, reactions that they trigger. Like with UV, you know, uh, UVB people know it's kind of, it makes vitamin D in the skin, for example. Um, UVA releases nitric oxide in the skin and, and um, is actually really powerful to, um, to combat kind of um, um, heart disease and issues like that. Um, and it also makes a whole host of other hormones in the skin, like literally. Because what happens when light slows down, um, it becomes mass, like Einstein showed that. And basically it makes hormones in us. It's like a hormonal cocktail. Um, and we are kind of addicted to that. And if we, for example, if we don't, if we don't get that, then we're more prone to wanting more forms of pure of kind of compounds. Uh, for example, the sun makes serotonin, it makes dopamine, and all these kind of feel-good hormones that help us think better and our mood improves, etc., etc. So if we if we miss out on that, for example, um, if we're only inside during the day, um, then we don't get that that um, hormonal input from the UV light. Um, but what we get is the impact from the blue light. And the blue light, you know, releases cortisol and is a stressor. That's why it's used in um, a lot of workplaces to increase productivity. But if you do that all the time, if you, if you stress people in, um, all the time and get them pumped and you don't have the repair, you create a problem. And we have the problem because particularly in the LED says there's literally zero red light or almost zero and definitely zero infrared light mm -hmm. which is half the portion of the spectrum of sunlight so you only get the stressor from artificial light but you don't get the repair and that's a big issue hmm. you know, in sunlight you don't have the problem because you have it's always the the damage and the repair the stressor and the repair goes hand in hand you cannot you cannot separate it um, so that's a massive problem. So that's one part of light hygiene that, that means that just being inside during the day, even if you don't have artificial light on, 
the class, the window class, blocks about 50%, if not more, of the red and the infrared light. Meaning you already have an altered light spectrum just being inside behind glass. Which also means if you walk around outside, for example, and have glasses on, you have the same problem again. Let me ask you this. This is what I've been thinking about. I, I've always felt that sunglasses, while some people do need them, and there are medical reasons for wearing sunglasses for some people, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, get out of bed in a condo, go down to a parking garage, put on sunglasses, drive to work, go into another parking garage, go up an elevator, um, sit in an office all day, go down to the parking garage, put on their sunglasses, drive out in a car. I think that there's, I think that there could be uh, um, and, um, negative impacts to sunglasses, no matter how expensive they are or whatever. Um, I know for certain that while we do absorb uh, the good, beautiful things from light on our skin, most of it happens in our eyes. And a lot of triggering for circadian rhythm has happened when the when sunlight strikes your your eye, and um, this idea that sunglass that everyone should be wearing sunglasses all the time outside is marketing, not science. Um, yep. I don't believe yeah, that yeah, there's yeah, any. Yeah. What's that? You agree with that? There's, there's a big there's a big industry behind it, right? That you know, um, it's like always. Where, where's where's uh, where's the vested interest to sell you something? And that's the thing, you can't sell the sun. I mean, they're trying to, but um, <laughs> basically, you know, the, the things that are free uh, and that are natural are being vilified and everything artificial where you can make money off people and keep them coming back um, is being promoted, unfortunately. Just, it's just the way it is. But the thing with, with classes, it's really that, that it's that simple, that simple thing I can send you probably hundreds of resources on that, just particularly on the eye and eye health. Um, it's, it's, and I'm not, it's maybe an interesting um, little bit of segue. Most people are not aware that one third, one third of the world's population has, is myopic, short-sighted. And there's a prediction that by, I'm not sure if it was 2025, 30, it would be half population is myopic. Yeah, there's definitely a pandemic of, uh, of eye diseases, like of, especially yeah. in Asia. I've heard that in, 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 in yes. Asia that there's a particularly large problem with, with myopia, um, yeah, possibly, in possibly in their politics South. as well. But <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I think I mean, they, they, are, they are even more avid users, and particularly the young people are even more avid users of, of mobile phones, right? Mm. And they're literally like um, in front of their face like all the time. And um what you do is, is basically, and I'm not an eye doctor, obviously, but as, what, what happens um, is almost like the, the eyeball with the, with the blue light, it kind of gets elongated. Mm -hmm. um, and this, the thing is, what's missing again in, in the light from the phone is, is red light. You need the red light is energizing. It gives the mitochondria in the cells the energy to do their job. And to, to and to repair, and there's you know there's thousands and thousands of references of red light therapy um, being very effective um, for for skin issues, for bones, mm -hmm. for sure. for intestinal issues, for wound repair, for hair growth, for for teeth and gum repair, for eyes, all of that. So we need 
we need the red light. And since people are literally preventing themselves from getting any red light into their eyes, onto their skin, um, we are becoming literally degenerated. Our tissue just gets stressed, gets used, but the repair mechanisms are severely limited. Because as you say, people just, um, they're inside, they go into the car, they put their sun on, they go out, they definitely put their sunglasses on, a lot of people, even when it's gray, kind of a bizarre thing here in New Zealand, like walking around the sun gray outside, I'm just like, why not? Um, but it's again, it's kind of like an habituate. What head, you don't allow your tissue to get any regenerative kind of frequencies. And, you know, it's, it's there is something um, about sunglasses. People are really attached to them. But the message would be you want to be outside in the sunshine during the day and you want darkness at night. And I, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about the regenerative power of, of uh, the sunlight. And I don't, I don't believe humans can really ever mimic that. I, think, I don't think you even know what the sun actually, the light from the sun totally is. Um, and so, but yes, we do have medical interventions that can, you know, help with, uh, um, you know, eczema and all these, this, these skin conditions that you had mentioned and various other things. Um, but, uh, what about darkness? You know, um, the, there is a healing effect, I think as well to, um, you know, following the patterns of the natural day cycle where when it go it gets darker you you go to sleep and um you know do you understand anything about how that works or is it you know it's interesting in the lighting industry that we've often tried to um all of the health impacts from lighting that actually worked were when we removed something that was causing damage so for example when we removed flicker from fluorescent tubes it made for healthier lighting um, we reintroduced Flickr after with LEDs that flicker, um, and we reintroduced the problem of Flickr. Um, and so other things like that, the removal of a negative, something that was causing problems. I'm, I think it's very dicey for us to start to say this lighting system will have this impact on productivity of your workers or some that we're going to add some kind of benefit using electric light. I think it's, you know, I think adding the benefit of darkness is much easier and far more. Whenever you look at the, um, the um, plus sides to positive circadian living, okay, generally all of the good things that you get are from achieving better sleep. So when they say that you're going to be more alert, because of the circadian friendly lighting or whatever, or they say that you're going to feel better or you're going to have less illness or whatever, it's probably more because you're sleeping better than it is because of the actual exposure to the electric light. How do you feel about that? Yeah, before we go, there, let me just go one back and clarify, or add one thing to the classes aspect. Sure. Um, because what's happening with the classes is as well that there's a thing of polarization, right? All the, all the modern classes are pretty much polarized. So that kind of structure the light, so that it's mm -hmm. all, all nice and parallel and hits your eyes in the kind of same angle, mm -hmm. which kind of makes the eyes kind of lazy. Um, 
Hmm. Versus if you have unpolarized light and you don't have that kind of same direction um, that the light the light rays hit you, it comes from every angle, from hmm. everywhere. In particular, if there's if it's kind of um, hmm. you know if you have clear or if you have surfaces that reflect the light, it comes literally from every angle in, in all sorts of different ways, which is is a bit um, strenuous for the eyes because they need to work more. So mm. a good analogy I heard from Dr. Lieberman, who wrote lots of books on, on this topic, is um, a class almost like a crutch for your eye. Right? So your eyes don't come <clears throat> and they're not as, as able to, um, to cope with, with kind of natural unfiltered light. So that's just one aspect where you literally kind of, again, put yourself in a in a weak position with kind of wearing wearing glasses. Are you talking about um, Jacob Lieberman? Jacob Lieberman? Dr. Jacob Lieberman? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been a guest on this show actually. Um oh, yeah, awesome. he's a yeah, he's an interesting he's in he's got a, I read both of his books, Luminous Life and I can't remember the name of the other one, but yeah, he's yeah, he talks a, a when you speak to him about optical improvements for people. He's got. He says some mind blowing things that are pretty hard to believe. Actually, you know it, it, that you can actually heal bad vision rather than having a life with glasses, and yes. and that yes. a lot of people can't see. Like his idea that a lot of people can't see because what was it that they're choosing not to? Like their brain is subconsciously choosing to blur their vision for some reason. And that some of it's related to trauma in life, that's mind blowing actually. That you could lose your vision because of emotional yeah, trauma. It's mind blowing to I me. Can, it, I can definitely see how that's related. I can definitely see how that's related. But even if people don't don't want to go there cognitively, just just the uh, just the simple fact that the glasses are polarized and that mm. the structure of the light in a way easier for the eyes and for you to kind of process it. Um, and if you do that continuously, well, it's, it's, it's like literally like if you walk with a, imagine you have a, have a support system for your skeleton or, or a, a suit that kind of props you up a little when you walk. For that mm -hmm. long enough, you take that off, you'll have a heart. Yeah, so it's just, it's just from that perspective, I find it really, really interesting. Um, because the thing is, we need, that's the other part. We talked about, you know, I mentioned a lot about stress and, and repair or damage and repair, um, which needs to be in balance. But the problem nowadays is what we have, we have a lot of like continuous stress, like all the time. We're always chasing our tail. We're always busy. We're always doing one thing after the other. We're always stimulated from electronics and devices and information and mm -hmm. run it rushing from one to the next we're always under artificial light we're always around pollutants we're always around emfs it, it's just constant bombardment we're thinking incessantly and we can't stop but we're constantly on the go um but what we don't have is actually intense acute stressors like doing something really hard like doing something physical really hard or mm -hmm. even just training your eyes for example doing some sun gazing in the morning, you know, when the sun comes up for a minute or two, mm -hmm. doing things that are difficult so that we can adapt and get better and get stronger. 
whether we train the muscles or whether we train the eyes or whether we train our digestive system or whatever it is, um, then because then we're much more able to kind of cope with um, everyday kind of life and everyday stresses because it's like in comparison, it's kind of a joke. There's a really, really good book um, that the audience might be interested in. It's, it's called The Comfort Crisis. And it basically talks about that mm. phenomenon mm. that everything needs to be kind of convenient and easy and, you know, effortless kind of thing. And we want it then and there. And, um, and that's a problem because if everything is so easy and convenient, the smallest kind of, kind of completely, and we, and we kind of dummy cope with us, you know, training our to deal with like a really kind of difficult situation because everything is so, you know, easy. Don't need to lift anything hard. Don't need to do anything hard. And if there's a problem, I just, you people usually try to avoid problems, right? If there's actually an issue, we, we try to distract ourselves or take some drugs or whatnot to not, to not cope and actually not feel the impact. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a long-winded, um, <laughs> long-winded response to that. Um, but going going back, because you asked about um, you asked about darkness and the and the impact of that. This the thing is, in order for the sleep to be better, it actually depends massively on what you do during the day. Like mm -hmm. there's so many studies that show clearly like particular morning light, early morning light when you wake up, like natural light, obviously, I'm not talking about artificial light, mm -hmm. is one of the best things you can do to improve your sleep. And that's again tied to the circadian rhythms. So the more signals you get during the day of the right timing information, um, then you naturally kind of wind down unless you interrupt that to sleep because there's a homeostatic sleep drive and then there's a circadian rhythm related kind of sleep drive. So the homeostatic one is the one basically with time awake, the longer you are awake and the more active you are, that'll, that'll then, um, yeah, the more activity you do during the day, um, the longer you're awake, the, the sooner you will kind of fall asleep and have the need to kind of um, recover. That's one aspect. The other aspect is the one related to all the hormonal rhythms of the circadian system. Uh, which, is, which is again, melanin. and being in our melatonin, melanin is actually um, when tryptophan gets converted to serotonin. And that happens by the impact of UV light. So if you don't get UV light, you make less serotonin. And then you have less of a pool to draw from at night to make melatonin. So it's again, it's another connection that people have no clue about that if you actually don't get the UV light on your skin during the day, you make less serotonin, meaning also you feel less good, right? And you're less, less able to focus, but also you produce less melatonin at night. And if you then, if you then suppress that little melatonin that would be secreted at night by having lights on at night, particular kind of blue lights and bright lights, um, then you have a big problem. And then you, if you continue that long enough, well, you, you get, you know, inflammation and, and degeneration, literally.
so it's it's kind of it's it's everything is kind of part and parcel everything is connected you cannot separate one from the other it's kind of i guess what i'm trying to say um and yes we need the we need the natural light during the day and we need the darkness at night what's easier for people to implement i i don't know i think that's quite an individual question because it's not it's not that straightforward for people to stop going out or people feel socially awkward with wearing blue blockers um and things like that so it, it feels like it's an individual choice kind of where people start and um ideally they, they do everything but that's not realistic um so it's just i don't know where the easiest way in or a person quite an individual choice i feel hmm are you aware hmm. of the reality tv show called alone you ever heard of that TV show? It's like no. a. So what they do is they they take people with survival skills and they drop them off in northern Canada in September and see how long they can survive with minimal tools, having to hunt their own food, and having to um, you know uh, um, face the elements in the snow and build their own shelter. It's actually an interesting show, but every time I watch it, there's a couple things that I find super that are very interesting. There was one fellow that was dropped off on the side of a mountain and he didn't get any natural sunlight. Like it was, he got up in the morning, but the sun would never shine on his particular spot where he was because of the way the mountain was and that. And he became desperate to be in the sunshine. Like after about two weeks, he ended up climbing to the top of the mountain just so he could feel the sun on his face. And when he got to the top of the mountain and he, he, cause he was in the shadow of this mountain all the time. And when he got to the top of the mountain and he had the sun on his face, he started crying and he was saying, Oh my God, I can't believe I haven't had the sun on my face in whatever, a week and a half or two weeks. Another thing that's interesting about that show is there's no vegetarians. When they start to starve, they all want to eat fish like crazy. They all want to eat f meat. Like all they want to eat is meat. And there's, so there's interesting things that kind of when you watch those extreme environments or you watch people, you know, you have these the, these campers that, you know, went out, left their phones, said they were night hawks or night owls and then went out and then they sleep at night and they're up during the day. You see that all of these people go to bed with sundown and they rise at sunrise on this show. They want to eat meat. They don't want to be vegetarians anymore or whatever it is. They're craving fat. And... You know, um, they want sunlight on their bodies. They want to feel the sunshine. And if they can't feel it, it drives them crazy. Um, and our society, you talk about the comfort trap or whatever, we're kind of put into this zone where we can have just enough of everything to keep us alive to the next day. And a lot of the gaps are filled in with sugar and TV and Twitter and social media and we kind of live in this realm of not you know acute sickness being created but not optimization and part of that is that you know you have that street light outside your house shining in your window on you all night long and um you know you you never see the stars in your whole life you never see the milky way and we have all of this sort of stuff and we and people are you know, talking people into th like with marketing into to sunglasses and sunscreens and and um, 
you know, uh, you know, strange diets, um, you know, and, and different things that are addictive or bad. And we live in this zone where we're, most people are not thriving. They're just surviving in the world and they don't know what to do. And what I think, what I hear you advocating for, Bastion, is exercise. Go outside every day. Eliminate, uh, live with the rhythm of the sun and the moon. Go to bed when it's dark um, and live in that kind of balance. Uh, it's, it's actually quite simple. Diet, exercise, sleep, and, and, and being outside, breathing fresh air. Um, how am I summarizing it up pretty well? I don't know. I'm just listening to you here. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I like to like, like kind of like getting people back in touch with nature. Mm. Because we are, we're out of touch. We're out of sync. We're completely, we're completely alienated. We're completely, as a species, it feels like we're completely lost and adrift. Because we lost, we forgot, we forgot who we are. We forgot where we come from. We almost like forgot what's good for us. Um, and, and I don't know, it's, it's almost like uh, the, the the technology and the and the and the artificial and the virtual it's it's like a, a mesmerizing tantalizing kind of promise mm. um that that i kind of we get kind of lost in you know, it's great that we can have calls like this and talk with sure. other people on the other side of the planet and and exchange information and is fantastic things with it but if it if if we get like lost in it and if we get just drowning in information and we're, we're needing to do pick up our phone because there's another notification and we just we just again it's just another like addiction another stressor another it, that that yeah, for me what what stands out lately so much is just the, the pace of life because i just moved from auckland to a small town called raglan in new zealand and just the the change in energy like around me like the the stillness and the quiet of the rural of the rural uh, landscapes and, and and obviously, like the the stars I see at night here, the Milky Way is like I see like I don't know twenty times more than in Auckland. It's just mm. such a such a big difference. Mm. Such a it's such a difference. But and then you know it's almost like a bit more the I guess the spiritual connection. Looking at the if you actually look, look at the proper night sky. Puts things in perspective, like all my leaves and my links that I'm grappling with. Like, like look at this immense, you know, my speck, you know, on this little planet. You know, just not taking myself so seriously. Just mm -hmm. putting, I don't know, just I think or, ta or taking yourself more seriously. Both, you know. I mean, both. You know, yeah. I. I I, 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 I truly believe, I, I've interviewed many people, one of the things that um, people that have been starved of darkness or s starved for experiences of seeing a beautiful sky filled with stars is that when they get it, so if you, if you take them, there's different things they do in these darkness experiences that are out there, but one of them is like you put on a blindfold, then you lay down on a rock, and then all of a sudden you take the blindfold off and there's the stars in front of you. And it's people describe these situations very similar to how they describe psychedelic experiences. Like it's the two things are very, very, very close. They sound the same. You have these realizations. You have these moments of humility, 
right? You see that you're on this wet rock, you know, spinning around this universe. And we know that those stars are millions of miles away. And so there definitely is a, a dawning of humility when one encounters the stars. And I think it's missing. I, I honestly do. I think a lot of our problems are driven by what you said earlier, the ego. People are deep in their egos, their egos and they think that they can decide you know, whatever they want to be and it doesn't matter and it won't affect them and it won't affect anybody else. But actually the energy is bad and I don't want to talk in those terms, but you know, the, the energy in our society is very negative right now. And, um, I think it has something to do with people being starved, which the former name of the show was starving for darkness, but people being starved of, of darkness, of daylight not having access to that spiritual connect, that natural daily dose of darkness and then intermittent doses of um, cool moons and beautiful starry nights. I think people are absolutely craving that and they have no idea that they're missing it. I truly believe that, Bastion. Yep, yep. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. It, it almost feels like it's... Um... Because it really what, what happens in order for me to actually being able to feel that and observe it and actually pay attention to the, to the night sky or to the moon, I actually need to slow down and stop. Mm -hmm. Right, And that's another big problem because if I'm always busy and I have another thing to do and I feel like this and that and the other, well, then I actually can't feel, I actually can't relate, I actually can't touch in because I'm just, blah, you know, spinning out. And I don't actually have the capacity to observe something else and to actually let it in and let it impact me. Mm -hmm. And it's the same if you, if you know, if you, whatever, if you, let's say, talk to your partner or something. If, if you're busy and you have something else on your mind, you can't listen. No. You can't pay attention. You can't let it in. You don't feel, you can't relate because you're, you're blocked already. You're preoccupied. And so that, that's another thing that is like so important. And, it actually, nature allows us to slow down, but it takes some time. Mm -hmm, I agree. Like, it's interesting, like, when, um, I think it's actually, like, if you take people into nature, and I know that myself when I go on longer hiking trips, um, yes, I feel the impact immediately, but it actually takes a few days to actually really, be really calm, be slow down, and suddenly, because I'm really present, really there, um, and it's a different. It takes time, but my point is, nature for me is kind of the touchstone. If we, if we, if we get more people back into nature in whatever way, in whatever form, on however little it is, people start out with, it's it's only it can only be beneficial, and it can only support um, health and healthy decisions and connection, connection with self, connection with nature, connection with others connection with spirit um yeah so that's that's like an important part because without without that remembrance without that touchstone where we came from and who we are and how we fit into the bigger picture um we'll be adrift and we'll do dumb shit as we are <laughs> yeah you know it's that's um i think a good place to call it bastion and um you know, I, I thank you for being a guest on the Restoring Darkness podcast. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners or any messages that you'd like to, to give them here at the close? Um, 
just find a just find a way that that works for you on a daily basis that is find something that you can do on a daily basis that you can commit to that you do every single day that supports you whether that's whether that's going out at night actually something i started doing um just before bed going out looking at the sky and doing a, a few minute kind of breathing exercise whether it's something like that or whether it's um you know trying to get up at the same time um and step outside and spend five minutes outside before you do anything else and just get natural light in your eyes so it's it's that might you might combine that with a little morning walk right maybe you go out five ten minutes you just go for a walk just something like that. sometime let you wake up to let you get some natural light in your eyes to set your all of these things simple things them continuously and then that'll be get more um good habits down the road and if if people are interested um you know to have a bit of a deeper dive into into all things circadian rhythm and light then just check out our app it's called circadian your natural rhythm you find it on the app store and the play store um and yeah that can that can help and support you to to um start with some healthy lifestyle habits and start making a change and reconnect and when you do that walk leave your phone at home and uh don't bring it with you folks uh what oh. i do is i talk i talk to the moon <laughs> yeah it's crazy Ooh. but i actually talk to the moon bastion um i talk to her and i just say hello and I have conversations, and when she she's in different moods all the time, you'll see her. She changes, and uh, that's interesting. People, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it I, is. I really love that idea because I, I I don't. It's interesting because I don't have a strong, I don't have a let's say established relationship to the moon. I have a like a love affair with the sun. Mm -hmm. I, I actually call the sun kind of almost like my best friend because mm -hmm. of what happens like when I similar that guy you described who climbed up in the mountain and like oh my god weeping. Um, yep. if I pay attention when my skin is in the sun, it's, uh, it's almost like, a, I don't want to say orgasmic experience, but it's definitely like a, a felt visceral, like, oh my God, this is so good. This is soothing. This is touching. Mm -hmm. This is connecting. This is warming. This is loving really. Um, yeah, again, that, but we're only able to touch into that if we're kind of present. Busy and preoccupied, then that's that's just no. There's time, even if it's just five minutes a day, make some for a slow connection. You know what? You know what's interesting about that feeling you talk about of the sun on your skin. I, I totally understand what you mean, but there's something that mimics it, and um, you know, I, all northern cultures have I don't know about all, but many have some sort of sauna where yes. hot rocks or a stove with a wood and I happen to have I happen to own a sauna, a wooden a wood burning sauna. And there if you go into a sauna in the winter, I'll bet dollars to donuts that there is a similar reaction to that. Like th that's a, that's humans replacing the sun in the winter. There's something to that infrared heat, which is also a form of light that's in the sunlight that does something that's super good for you. Because 
If you go into a, everyone does saunas at night. That's generally when they're done in these cultures. They do it in the evening. They, they get the sauna going and you go in and you spend some time in the sauna with some, maybe you have some cold therapy where you jump in a cold lake and then back into the sauna. There is something to that that is absolutely good for your health. I don't know what it is, but I know that when I go up to the cottage in November and, and December and before we close it and we do these sauna activities, I feel so much better. I sleep so much better and I feel so much better. So there's something to this infrared energy that strikes us and is absorbed by our body that we do not get from electric light. That Maybe from incandescent lights, I don't know, but we're definitely not getting it from LED lights. And um, saunas, I think, provide like a, a, um, a solution to that by that our ancestors came up with but yeah i couldn't agree with you more that there's there's something i don't talk to the sun i don't know why but i talk to the moon and uh i have great conversations with her she's uh an interesting cat when you have to put your phone away and start to build a relationship with the moon all of us why not folks and the stars because all of our ancestors out there folks had very very close relationships with the astral bodies Spiritual, deep, yeah, and, creature. and the that's the thing, and the seasons, right? That's the thing, oh, yeah. and the seasons. Just and that's another big part. Just touching back into what actually how your landscape is changing, what grows currently in your in your environment, and these are actually the things that you should eat. In a way, you have no business eating anything else than what's growing in your local uh, in your local environment. Um, which is obviously hard, and I'm, you know, I'm not doing that 100% myself either. I, I still have coffee and um, chocolates, kind of, that's <laughs> just too tempting and too delicious to to say mm. no to. But overall, just again, more that paying attention to the environment and and kind of having a relationship and starting relating, however that looks like. Maybe some people want to talk to it. For others, it's more felt experience. Maybe others, you know have a little garden or start foraging or whatever it is, but some, some touchstone, some connection that, that works for you to kind of get a bit closer and get a bit more intimate. Don't eat any raccoons or skunks though, because they, you're going to get um, sick. But other than that, yeah. I mean, hunting, listen, um, mm. I, Listen, I, I, I'm a, I, I don't hunt myself, but I'm an advocate for it. I think, um, I think it's important to see, again, back to reference that, that show alone, when those people are hungry and they catch a fish, they thank whatever gods they know, and they kiss that fish, and they thank that animal for giving its life to them so they can eat. You wouldn't believe some of the moments that you see on that show when people are really hungry, they catch a fish. They're thanking that fish and all the fish that are left out in, in the lake for giving themselves to their sustenance, and the relationship just happens naturally. Before they went out there, they wouldn't be th- you know praying to the fish gods and thanking them with total humility, gratitude all at once in that moment. And so, yeah, you got we got to be connected to our environment we have to be and the moon is out there even if you can't see the stars if you can't see the stars you can still see the moon and the moon changes and she's further away sometimes she's closer she's on the horizon sometimes she shows up before the sun goes down other times she's big and bright in the sky there's times when it looks like the moon if you're in the right position and she's rising um, you can see it coming up over the horizon and it looks enormous 
and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as it travels away from the earth. You can have a relationship with the moon. I'm not crazy. You can do this. I've done it. But Bastion, we've gone over an hour. I got sounds like one last thing. It sounds like you should write a poem to the moon. I have written a poem to the moon. You have written I have. a poem. Oh God! It just felt I could feel it. Like when you were speaking right now, it felt like yes. Oh Very man, good. the moon! Listen, the, the, the people are way underestimating the relationship you can have with the moon. You can have a relationship with the moon. I'm not kidding you, people. Listen, the moon pulls the Pacific Ocean from one side of the world to the other and then lets it go. You don't think she has an effect on you? Come on, man. That thing's pulling at your insides and causing all kinds of stuff to happen. Yeah, well, Guarantee. you know, 99% of our, of our atoms in the body are water. So, um, <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. we are being pulled and pushed and uh, changed. So ask her for things. She does things to you. Like ask her for things. Massively. Yeah. Ask the moon for things. That's what I say. But Bastion, we got to shut it down. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Check out Bastion's website, uh, Circadian Life. We're going to have all of his social media up on the restoringdarkness.com website. And we're going to also reference a couple books that were put out there. Um, you got them, Luminous Life by Dr. Lieberman, the other one, yeah. They'll all be up on the website, but if you made it to the end, uh, we had a few technical difficulties on this one, but we appreciate you listening. We love you guys out there. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky-friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding, or the Area Max with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.